And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Because she likes attention, I am so excited that Brenda Sharp, after two and a half months, is finally back at church. <laughs> I, I knew you would appreciate, appreciate that, Brenda. <laughs> well, today is Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and I want to look at this reading today from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talks about spiritual gifts. And um, the big idea for this sermon is really just living in the Spirit and you see, as we go through the letter of Paul to the Corinthians, kind of the one theme that really drives that letter is the gospel. The gospel. Paul even often uses the words gospel and proclaim the gospel throughout the entire letter. And then the chapter we look at today, really in chapters 12 through 14, he's kind of addressing a problem that some of the Christians had in Corinth, is that they were prioritizing certain spiritual gifts as more valuable and they were failing to use their gifts to edify the body of Christ. And the solution that he offers in this is to pursue love and earnestly desire us to use our spiritual gifts to build up the body. And of course that goes into 1 Corinthians 13 where we hear about love. And so every Christian, every person that's put their faith and trust in Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. And in this reading, in verses 4 through 7, we learn that the Holy Spirit is present in us in very diverse ways. And then in verses 8 through 13, we learn that we need to discern our spiritual gifting so that we can use that to build up the body. And so I kind of want to talk about what is a spiritual gift, how do we discern our spiritual gifts, and then some misconceptions or problems that we sometimes run into when we're talking about gifts of the Spirit. And so really verses 4 through 7 defines for us what is a spiritual gift. In that we see words like gift, service, workings, power of God, and common good used. And so the definition that I thought was the best was that by the power of God, a spiritual gift is an ability to meet a need for the common good. By the power of God, a spiritual need is an ability to meet a need for the common good. So we have a gift from God, we have the, the ability, that's the working, and then we have the need that we can serve in. And it's for the common good. Now in this reading we see he talks a lot about varieties. As we go through that, it's a variety of gifts, a variety of service, a variety of workings. And so one of the things we really have to do is we need to know what, our, what the spiritual gifts are. And we can find those in Ephesians 4 or 1 Peter 4, or Romans 12, or 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. All of those are scriptures that point us to what spiritual gifts are. And so spiritual gifts are really like fingerprints. They're like fingerprints because they're unique to each one of us. None of our gifts are exactly the same because God has called us to use them in different ways. So if you look at that, Paul said that there are a variety of services so maybe your gift is teaching, but maybe you're gifted to teach a kindergarten class or a middle school class or to be a college professor. There's different ways you can use that gift. Maybe you have it really strongly, the gift of teaching, and you're going to teach five days a week in the classroom setting. Maybe it's not as strong a gift, and so therefore you're, you're teaching kind of a Sunday school class or Wednesday night classes. 
You know, there's, there's a different potency to it. Like, that's what I think when he says the variety of workings, I think it's the potency of the gift. Like, you could be gifted in counseling to a degree. I mean, people come into us as the clergy and seek counseling, but sometimes we have to tell them this is beyond what we're able to counsel and send them to somebody else. That spiritual gift is counseling in a way that it's 24-7, basically. It's their vocation. It's what they're doing. And so we have to recognize that in our spiritual gifts, that there's different levels of potency within it. You know, as I was preparing the sermon, I thought of a time I taught over at Grace for three years, two days a week, the Christian ed classes. And I enjoyed it, but it wasn't the same as teaching the kids on a Wednesday night for an hour or two. It was very different. Because my gifting is I want to know the kids, I want to know about them, I want to know how they're doing. And then that's paired with a gift of teaching, but it's not six class periods a day teaching where there's no break and you're having to do all these tests and quizzes and classroom management and all that stuff. It's very different. And so while I enjoyed it, I knew that was not my gifting to be that type of teacher like others have. And so we have to recognize that in our spiritual gifting when we think about what is a spiritual gift. So a spiritual gift is by the power of God. A spiritual gift is an ability to meet a need for the common good. Now the question is, how do we discern that? How do we discern what our spiritual gifts are? Well, it always goes back to the scriptures. It always goes back to the scriptures. Probably every sermon I preach, I'm going to talk about the importance of being in the word. Because there's no way you're going to be able to discern your gift if you have no idea what the word says about it. And so that's when you go to those scriptures from Ephesians 4 and Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and 1 Peter 4. You have to study those things. That's where you really have to start. You have to start by studying the word. And then from there, you can kind of move into to praying about it, saying, God, open my eyes. What is my spiritual gift? How have you gifted me? What have you called me to do in my life? So it's scripture and prayer are huge parts of discerning your spiritual gift. You know, one of the good things we have is we have spiritual gifts assessment. Deacon Pegg has given me one to take. Gail Curley's given me one to take. I've had to take one when I was in the process going through to see if I was going to go to seminary. And I've taken those tests, and they're a huge, huge help because typically we don't just get one gift. We kind of get a cluster of gifts. And so I took it, and I came out with something like shepherd administration and serving. Those were my giftings in those tests. And how the shepherd piece works with administration is different than somebody else's gift that is shepherd and teaching or shepherd in this. And so we have to really know our gifts in order to really be effective, effective in our ministries. And so I would highly encourage that as an option. I think we also have to examine when discerning our gifts is what really moves us. Because we all have different gifts, so we see the needs very differently. Someone this week gave me this. And I thought it was really good, so I'm going to share it. And the context of it is, is there's been a car accident. There's been a car accident. Numerous people are involved. And so the pastor shows up, and the teacher shows up, and the evangelist shows up, and the prophet shows up, and the apostle shows up. Well, guess what? All of these guys see things very, very differently. Very differently. So I'm going to go through those, because I thought it's a good... It just, it's a good example of what we're dealing with when it comes to gifts. We're all part of the body of Christ if we have Jesus, but we see things so very differently. And so when the pastor arrives on the scene of the car accident, he scrambles to assess the situation and begins a triage approach. 
He's looking for blankets and jackets and water and anything he can find to comfort these people. He's surveying the situation to see who's the most injured. He talks to each person about their name, their marital status. Do they have kids? He collects their vital signs to give to the emergency response team when they arrive. And he brings a sense of calm to the situation. That's the gifting that the pastor has. The teacher, on the other hand, arrives on the scene and starts to study out why the accident happened. And they're looking at the skid marks, and they're looking how far the cars traveled before they crashed. And they're trying to determine who was at fault. And then they're trying to determine what do we need to do to teach people to prevent this type of accident from happening again. Now the evangelist comes on the scene, and he's happy to find that everyone's comfortable because of what the pastor has done. But his concern is, is if you were to die today, are you going to heaven or hell? And he starts to evangelize the people, and he's evangelizing them. And then as they start to come to faith, he starts to train them in how to go out and evangelize. And he's so excited about this that he decides when he goes home, he's getting a police scanner and going to go to every car accident that there is after this because it's been such a good experience for him. Now the prophet comes on and the prophet knew that this was going to happen because he had a dream about it the night before. And he, in his dream, everyone survived. So he rebukes the spirit of death. He declares with great faith that all shall live and none shall die. And he begins to go around and speak words to the people, prophesies over, prophesied over them. And then he tries to find out who's in charge. And if no one's in charge of the situation, he appoints somebody to be in charge of the accident scene. And then we have the apostle. The apostle is there and is praying for the injured. He's inviting a supernatural healing touch of God into the scene. He begins to tell testimonies of other accident scenes that he's been at. All of these people have very different giftings. They see the needs very, very differently at the accident. But guess what? We need all of them. We need all of them to work together in the body of Christ. And so often I think we get frustrated with each other because we're going, well, I don't understand why you're not seeing that this is an important need right now. And it's like, well, that person's not going to see that specific need because they're not gifted in that way. They're gifted in a totally different area, and that's part of what we have to recognize as the body of Christ, is that just because we all know Jesus, just because we're walking with him, we are not gifted the same way. And therefore, we have to learn to work together and use those gifts for the betterment of the kingdom to glorify God and to bring people to Christ. I think one of the most important things we can do as well when we're discerning our gifts is getting feedback from people. If we believe we have a gift of teaching, then people should be learning. If we have a gift of counseling, people should be getting better. You know, and this is where the church really comes together, because we should be able to talk to people and confirm in them what they think their gifting is. Or maybe what their gifting is not. I mean, I just didn't come into the office one day and say, well, I'm going to seminary this week. I've decided I'm going to seminary, I'm going to be ordained. Yep, this is how it's going to work. No, there was a process. There was a discernment committee. People sat on that discernment committee for a few meetings, and we had to go through questions, and they had to meet afterwards and pray. And if you need to blame somebody that I'm up here, talk to David McFadden. He was on the committee. I won't list the other ones. There was a whole host of people on it. But there was a process. There was a discernment that was involved in order for me to get to the point where I am. And see, that's how it is with spiritual giftings. We have to discern it, and it really helps when the body of Christ comes together and helps us discern things. 
Because it's easy to miss things sometimes. We can get emotionally excited about something and think, oh, we're gifted for this. But really, that's not where God has called us. So these are all important parts of discerning your gift, but it really starts with the scriptures. It starts with the scriptures and prayer, and we can work from there. Now there's some problems that arise when it comes to spiritual giftings or misconceptions. A spiritual gift is not the same thing as a natural talent. All of us are born with natural talents. Christian or non-Christian, we're born with natural talents. But when we come to Christ and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he gives us spiritual gifts. And I liked how J.I. Packard put it. He said, if Charles Spurgeon had not become a Christian and become a great Baptist preacher, he would probably have become the prime minister of England because he could speak so eloquently. So he was gifted in preaching, and he also spoke eloquently as a natural talent. However, Packard went on to say, he said, you could also look at Dwight Moody, who was not an eloquent in his speech, but because of his spiritual gifting became a powerful preacher. God can use us in our giftings regardless of the natural talents. They may help us in our gifting. We may use those natural talents, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes he really does call us to a place with our gifts that's way out of our comfort zone. Spiritual gifts are also not something that we just take home to enjoy by ourselves and use for our own benefit. You know, these are not a private thing, because what we read today says that the manifestation of the spiritual gifts has been given for the common good. We're to use our gifts, we're to exercise our gifts to the ministry of others. And when we do that, in turn, we encourage them to be involved in the ministry. I really like this, and I think it was Alistair Begg or John Piper, one of those guys said this, but they were talking about their church. And they were talking about spiritual gifting and people stepping up and doing the work. And they said the future effectiveness, significance, development, growth, impact of the people of God in this place is grounded in the notion that each part does, it work, does its work. And I think that's so important for us here at Christ the King because we have to recognize that it's not the clergy and the staff that's doing everything. It's the body of Christ coming together to move Christ the King and this church where he wants us to be in our community and in our county and in our state, and maybe beyond that. Also, spiritual gifts are what we do, but the spiritual fruit is really who we are. You see, you can look at your gift as though it's a fruit, and I think people do that sometimes. Oh, I'm gifted in this. I am so good. But if you're not really doing anything with it, it's useless you got to think of it like the spiritual gifts are like tires on a car. You can buy the best tires for your car, the most expensive, the longest-going tires. But if you don't put air in those tires, they're useless. They're useless. Your car is not going anywhere. And that's the same way. We have to put our spiritual gifts into practice for the body of Christ. J.A. Packard said, The Holy Spirit's main ministry is not to give thrills, but to create in us Christ-like character. And as we put them into practice, that Christ-like character starts to work in us because we're using what God has given us, and it changes us. It allows the Holy Spirit to work in us and change us as we do what he's calling us to do and producing that Christ-like character. 
Another problem is that some people believe spiritual gifts are only given to the chosen few. Only a few people get the gifts. That is not true. They are the privilege of the entire Christian family. Every member of the body of Christ gets a gift or multiple gifts. If you go back and look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given. Everybody that's accepted Christ is getting a gift. Individually, you're getting a gift to use within the body. The second word I wanted to look at here was the Spirit. You know, that's God. That's the same God that created the universe. The manifestation is that each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. That's the connection between us and God. God is manifested in our lives, and God, the Spirit, becomes visible through us when we put our gifts into practice. And as Christians, we should be showing the world, showing Christ to the world. And finally, common good. If you want to do good for people, you manifest God to them. You manifest God to the people. The world, people in the world can do good and do that good apart from God. And that's temporary. That's temporary good. Because once you're done on this earth, that's it. That's it if you've been doing it without God. But as Christians, we need to be manifesting God to the people. I think another thing that's hard with spiritual gifts is sometimes we don't really spend a lot of time looking at them. We look at people that are willing and available. And so um, I was thinking about this, and this was one of the things that I ran across numerous times as I was reading things and preparing for this sermon, is how often we look at people and say, well, they're always willing to serve, and so we have a need in the church. Let's say we need a teacher for a class. We need a teacher for the class. And we, and we think about it because someone's backed out last minute and we feel stuck. And we go, oh, you know, when I came to the last vestry meeting, oh, Steve Monroe did this great devotional and he shared it. And so, well, we're going to go ask him if he wants to teach. I don't even know where Steve is. Is he in here? Oh, yes. I don't even know if you did share the devotional last time, but uh, I'm picking on you anyway. And so we go to Steve and say, Steve, will you teach this class? And Steve goes, oh, okay, great. And we say, good, because you're gifted. And then we go to the class, and we leave the class, and people go, who picked Steve to teach this class? That is not his gifting. I don't know if that's your gifting or not, Steve, teaching. But the point is, is that how often we do that because we say, oh, they're willing and available. But it's so important for us in the body of Christ to recognize we all have different spiritual gifts. It's out of order to put people in roles without knowing what they're really gifted for. That is so important that we find out what the gifting is. We have to know our own gifting. And then when we talk to people and we talk about how they can serve, we need to look at their gifts and place them in that way. It's not just because there's an opening that we put somebody in a spot. And finally, we can never compare our gifts to others. I think this is a very dangerous one that so often we look and go, well, that guy's got such a good gifting. He gets to do so much. No, it doesn't work that way. Someone said this. They said, God has gifted each of us in a unique way at a unique point in time to be uniquely useful in a unique group of people to fulfill a unique purpose. God has created us very uniquely and has gifted, us, has gifted us very uniquely. And he's placed us where we are because that's where he has gifted us to serve, probably. 
And at some point he may say, well, you've got to move and you've got to do something else. But at this time and place, where has he placed us? Where has he placed you in your life? What is he calling you to do to use your gifts for the kingdom of God? Because we're called to use our gifts in that unique way that only God has called us to. If you flip back in 1 Corinthians to chapter 3, it says this. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he nor who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and God's building. You see, God has called us each uniquely, and we carry out what he's called us to do. And we shouldn't get frustrated if things aren't going the way we think they should. It's because God is the one that's bringing the growth. We just have to be faithful with what God has given us. The ultimate purpose of God in giving gifts to his people is in order that he might be glorified and the world might be drawn to his son. C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, Christians are Christ's body, the organism through which he works. Every addition that the body enables him, every addition enables the body, addition to the body enables him to do more. If you want to help those outside the body, you must add your own little cell to the body of Christ, who alone can help them. Cutting off a man's fingers would be an odd way of getting him to do more work. You see, God has placed us where we are with our giftings for a specific reason. You know, you're, we're going to hear from this Helping Hands ministry at announcements. And we're going to hear about the work that they're doing because God has gifted certain people. We're going to hear two testimonies. And it's amazing this morning to hear those because some people have come together and used their giftings to minister to others in a way that some people couldn't because they weren't gifted in that way. And as a result of that, people come to Christ, God is glorified, and you see fruit from it. And so I hope us at Christ the King will be a people who exercise our spiritual gifts to draw others to Christ. In 2 Timothy it says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Another translation put that, Stir up the gift of God which is in you. We need to stir up the gift which God has given us through the power of the Holy Spirit and use it so that we can see God at work. I want to go back to that quote I said early, that, earlier, that the future effectiveness, significance, development, growth, impact of the people of God in this place is grounded in the notion that each part does its work. All of us keep praying that are on staff, and we keep seeing that God is going to use Christ the King Church in a mighty, mighty way in our community. And that's only going to happen if all of us recognize our gifts and use our gifts to serve. You know, I hope we kind of leave here today feeling uncomfortable, really. I hope we leave here going, what are, what are my spiritual gifts? How could I be using those gifts? Am I using these gifts? That's what I really hope. Because there's no way that this church is going to be all that God has called it to be in the future if we're not all coming together. Because it's going to take all of us to do it. And it's great. We see new members coming almost every week. We see so many exciting things happening. 
But we all have to get involved. We all have to say, no matter what our gift is, some may think it's a little gift, but guess what? In the body of Christ, they're all equally important because God is using each one of us in a certain way. Our gifting may change how we use it over time because of where God places us. But right now, if you're here, I believe God is calling you to help us move this church forward so that it is that light on the hill, that it is that beacon to our community. And that's my hope and prayer for us at Christ the King, that we're uncomfortable enough to step out of our comfort zones and use our gifts to bring others to Jesus. I want to leave you with this from 1 Peter 4. He said, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. My prayer is that we will leave here serving others with our gifts. Amen.